Hello, this is Frank Falvey with Frank Presents. And today it's my privilege and honor to have Laura Saylor, a co-founder of the Workers' Party of Massachusetts. Laura, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me, Frank. Oh, uh, you're I more than it. welcome. Laura, what is the Workers' Party of Massachusetts? First of all, I gather you are registered with the Elections Department of the state and anyone at the end of this program if they wanted to go down to the town clerk's office could register to be part of the Workers' Party. They certainly can. They certainly can. Um, we formed a little less than two years ago, um, sitting around my kitchen table, saying, what are we gonna do? <laughs> and we decided to get put this together. Um, within that time frame, we've obtained our political designation through the Secretary of State, which was not a simple task with COVID. And as you know, you have to get everything certified by the town hall, every signature that you collect. Um, we managed to do that. We've managed to grow, and now we have five candidates. So to begin with, to inform the viewers, what is the political theory or the philosophy of the Workers' Party of Massachusetts? We are an anti-capitalist party. We're opposed to capitalism, and we are socialists. Some of us are anarchists, some of us are communists. Some of us identify as just socialists, but the key in that is we're opposed to capitalism. We're not social, you know, we don't work with the Democratic Party. We don't support Democratic politicians because they are capitalists. Well, can we in socialist terms put forward what we are for to begin with in socialist terms? What, what are you yes. for? We are for the working class. We are for, eventually we want to get to the workers owning the means of production and not the capitalist class. Um, capitalism is an economic system based on private ownership and control of the means of production. Um, and, and their operation extracts profits from you, from labor. Everybody that works is only being paid a portion of their labor. You're not getting the full value of what you put in every day. Um, they're skimming it off of the top. And, you know, to kind of go off on a tangent, I think we're seeing this with a lot of retail workers, um, you know, quitting their jobs in mass with um, even after they've taken away the supplemental unemployment, it's not mattering. And there's, there's a reason for that. Um, you know, um, so the working class that they don't have any ownership or control of the resources and the technology required to produce what we need to survive and we have no choice but to sell our ability to work capitalists they purchase our labor but the wages we receive are only a fraction of the overall value um, that we produce the surplus value we view it as stolen from the working class and it's their source of profit and that's playing out 
just seeing that the um, the billionaires have raked in trillion, you know, billions more, trillions more, while the rest of us, you know, go the other end in the opposite direction. And yeah, the political class that we have in charge now is is dumbfounded. They think, oh, why? Why, why are they still quitting their jobs? And the fact is, if you, can, if you can't make enough to survive on, what, what's it worth going to work for a Walmart? What's it worth going to work for McDonald's or Target? If you're gonna be you know, treated subhuman all day long, what's that worth? Is it worth it if you can't pay your bills? It's not. Is there a country, Laura, that you would point to that you believe would fall under the socialism uh, uh, concept uh, that you would like to highlight? Well, actually, um, socialism, we view it in an in, as we're internationalists. We believe that um, workers are worldwide. Um, a country that I believe personally and other people in the party may you know, choose other other countries that have pulled it off better. I think Fidel Castro's Cuba, like, you know, pulled it off pretty well. Um, Evo Morales, if given a chance in Bolivia. Um, but as you know, capitalists, it's a, the capitalists are internationalists too. They use nationalism, you know, to, to as propaganda for the population, but you know, um, we did a coup in Bolivia and we do coups all the time when socialist countries try to try to get going. Um, Cuba has been relatively successful and been able to stave off, you know, the capitalist onslaught for a long time. So you, you would and not- I say kudos to them, yeah. You would not point to uh, Sweden or Norway no, are, no, 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 they are capitalists. They're social Democrats. When you hear Bernie Sanders or AOC or whoever go on about, they're not socialists. They're not socialists. They are social Democrats. They're liberals. What, what, is, what is the distinction between a socialist and a socialist Democrat? What's the distinction not, between them? Social Democrats are not socialists. They're capitalists because they believe, they don't believe in the working class having control over the means of production. They don't believe in public ownership over the means, we do. Um, they believe in the same capitalist class with you know a stronger welfare state maybe, um, regulations, and we don't because what inevitably happens is you're leaving the capitalist class in power and they chip away at those. And they chip away at the little bit of welfare state. They chip away at regulations and you end up where we are now, decades after the New Deal, right? Uh, my grandfather was a coal miner. And um, I talked to my aunt today and she's, she's like horrified. How did this happen? You know? Where was your grandfather he, a coal miner? That's why. Where was, uh, your grand, where was your grandfather a coal miner? Pennsylvania. 
Yeah. So he thought a lot of Aunt Molly Jackson then. He fought that stuff. Yeah, he died. He died in 1992 at the age of 93. Yeah. Laura, there people recognize that there is a great growing disparity in wealth of the wealthy between that and the wealth of the working person. And that disparity does seem to take some hold of thought in a lot of Americans. What, what would your comment be on, on that great disparity in wealth? The reason that we have the great disparity of wealth is because we live in the number one the number one capitalist country. The dollar is, you know, what what people use, um, and this is end stage capitalism. What we're living in right now. It's why you know the political class doesn't seem to care about climate change, which is obviously upon us. They haven't done a whole lot to mitigate COVID, um, not enough. They have no respect for wage workers doing what they call essential work. Um, they don't mandate, they don't even bother to mandate things like hazard pay. You are putting your life on the line. You go into a retail job, you, and it might seem silly, but you really are putting your life in, on, on the line in the age of COVID. Um, my cousin got COVID working in a hospital. She was vaccinated. And yes, we believe vaccinations are an important part of this. The problem is, why is the political class hoarding children under 12 into public school classrooms during a pandemic when they're not able to be vaccinated? But Laura, the main COVID deaths are people our age, people right. over people over the age of 65 are dying Correct. by the hundreds of thousands. And yet it seems that children under the age of 18 are being highlighted every night on a newscast, when in fact um, it's people over the age of 65 by the hundreds of thousands right. that are dying. You're correct. The thing is, though, like you hoard these children into schools, they're going to bring this, they're going to bring COVID and its variants home with them and into your community. You know, if you don't have mask mandates in retail stores, we've got no way to prove someone, no one, we've got no mechanism to make somebody prove they're vaccinated. And that puts everybody at risk, older people especially, older people especially. Um, we've seen politicians mandate that, that elderly people get put into nursing homes at the height of pandemic. The deaths were unbelievable in number. And it's horrifying because when you watch the media, nobody seems to care. They'll mention it. So it's not something that's hidden. But at the same time, they kind of like, slough it off. It's like no respect for our elders. Laura, are you familiar with the Great American Rescue Plan can't, contains two interesting things. One is the government will pay 100% of your funeral expenses if you die of COVID. And the other thing is 
that every federal worker that gets COVID is considered disabled under the working, under workman's compensation. So all federal employees, not anyone else, but all federal yeah, employees. Yeah, good for federal employees. Are, are, what about the rest of us? Considered disabled. Yeah. What about the rest of us? Yeah. What about the rest of us? Right. Should, and the rest of us deserve it. I mean, yes. Should should there be should there be automatic workers' compensation for anyone that works and, and gets COVID? Absolutely. And for as long as they need it. Yes. What what are what are some of the other nuts and bolts of uh, your constitution. You have a constitution. Um, yes, we do. That people yes, can, we do. That people can go and find if they go to the Workers' Party. Yep. Some of the, yep. some of the interesting or points. Um, you you um, You re, uh, believe in that all citizens uh, should have the right to carry guns. Yes. And it doesn't seem to be a Second Amendment right that you're espousing as much as a right of protection. Why do you feel, right. why do you feel that ordinary citizens should have the right to carry guns. Thank you very much for asking. Um, the reason that we support gun rights is because the working class does have to protect itself from the capital capitalist class. Um, a good example of this is our militarized, heavily, heavily, heavily militarized and mostly unaccountable police force. Do you, do you? If the police and armed agents of the state can basically do what they want with not total impunity, but relative impunity. Because let's be real, it's base facts here, that's what goes on. Um, then the working class should too. Do you envision that as a proactive? Do you believe they should carry guns because they should actively use them? to defend as self-defense not as like we don't advocate going out with guns open carrying or anything like that but we do believe in the right of ownership and to be able to have your guns if the state can have them then there's no reason the citizenry shouldn't be able to have them as protection from the capitalist state housing for all bring back rent control, expand public housing programs, stop criminalizing homeless, restrict banks from foreclosing on and evicting working class people facing hardships, end cash for keys and other slumlord eviction schemes. Could you expand yes. on that? Oh, yes. I mean, we're facing an eviction apocalypse right now. Um, they've evaded eviction moratoriums. 
people are going to be thrown out on the street. They already are. Um, there are no real services to speak of if you get thrown out on the street. And they're not willing to help people stay in their homes. Um, it's been a feature of our government for as long as I've been alive um, to side with developers. We have enough housing. We have plenty of housing to house everybody out there. Why doesn't everybody in the U.S. have a, have a roof over their head? The basic necessities of life. The richest country in the world, people are going without roofs over their head. They're going without health care. They're going without food. They're going without people to watch their children. They're going without mental health care. They're going without supports they need just, just to survive. And it's embarrassing. I, I have a real question. Uh, Chris, can you get this on camera? Your page, your page, is black background and white lettering. Yes. Black background uses a lot of ink. It's very expensive to print out a page. And I have a sense you did this on purpose. Why did you, why are you using on your computer if someone wants to print the page out? Why are you using a black background and white lettering? because it's easier to read for a lot of people and we want to get the message out. Um, most people are not printing it out. When we print it out, we do white with a black background. We change the background, but we it does make it easier. I know myself, after I turned 50, it's been difficult for me, you know, if it's darker out to, to read white on black, you know, white with a black ink it's easier to read black with white well on the computer for people like me that don't know how to switch the page from black to white it doesn't seem mechanologically sound and it costs me a lot more ink and money to print out your pages but i see your point i i, I see your point um you also believe in free drug rehabilitation programs to fight the epidemic epidoid epidemic it would be great if yes. I could read, wouldn't it <laughs> rebuild and expand well, long the yeah the opioid epidemic get me started on that boy um that was something the opioid epidemic is you know very similar to the crack epidemic in the 80s and i'm sure you remember that i do um it was like smoking in the here. 60s or alcohol yes. that still yes. exists? Yes, the opioid epidemic is especially cruel. And um, the <laughs> opioid addicts are victims. Opioid addicts are victims. And they're people that are suffering that require treatment. It's a basic necessity of life, not just for them, but the people who love them who are in their life or were in their life, their families, their children, their, you know. And 
the American political class has decided to sign away immunity for the Sacklers and haul these people off to Steve Tompkins jails and call it treatment. In Steve Tompkins jails, I think four addicts have died in like the past six months or something. Um, and that also speaks to the general acceptance in the media and in the political class of the ice camps. You get the public used to that. All right, we're gonna take these refugees and we're gonna put them in these hor horrific human rights abusing camps. And then, you know, that dies, the outrage over that dies down and they're like, all right, we're gonna start scooping up the homeless and addicted rather than doing what we could do for not very much money and opening up safe injection sites and treatment centers and places to get them a roof over the head. How do you think, how do you think an addict on the street is feeling about, oh, I should get sober. They don't have anything to look forward to. They don't have a roof over their head. They don't have access to food on a regular basis, bathrooms, anything. It, it, pro, it, it makes it worse, it prolongs it. And what this country's doing to addicts is cruel, yet they feel like we're gonna sign off and give the Sackler family immunity. It's outrageous. You are running, I believe, five candidates for public office, none of which yes. are in the, in the town of Franklin or area that Franklin politically covers. But who do you believe you're going to appeal to? What, what segment of the population are you trying to reach and in, in, uh, draw to your party? The alienated, disenfranchised non-voter which makes up the majority by far. They outnumber Republicans, Democrats, or people who vote at all. And the reason for it is that disenfranchised voters, alienated disenfranchised voters, already understand that our system of government and capitalism is not working for them. Laura. That's what Laura Saylor, what is the question that I haven't asked you that you really would like to address? Um, well, I will bring up that my main reason for running against Paul Feeney in particular is his undying support for qualified immunity. For what now? I, qualified what? immunity. And how, how do you define that? Qualified immunity it gives police a special pass at not, you're not able to, if you sue police, you're taking the money from the town. The cop that commits the atrocity or the crime, they get slap on the wrist and they go right back to the job, maybe after a week or two, maybe a month suspension. And that's what qualified immunity does. The, and the mass, you know, that's yeah, everybody needs to be everybody needs to be viewed as equally and held accountable equally, whether they're police, whether a teacher does something wrong, they should be held accountable. The we don't see a problem with that. Why make a special class not be held accountable for really some really atrocious actions that they do? 
Well, drug companies have total immunity. There are, there uh. are drug companies have total immunity. There are yeah. people, uh, there are other individuals and people that have immunity in the state law that, that changed police practices did change to some degree qualified immunity. It is, it is not exactly what it was before. It's still, it's still a huge barrier to holding people accountable to the extent that they should be held accountable. Laura, you know, I mean, if yeah. people want to reach you or, or the Workers' Party of Massachusetts, how can they do that? They can check us out at workersparty.org. We can have a Facebook page. Can you go slow and no. repeat that slowly? Yes, workerspartyma.org. And um, we have a Facebook page, we have Twitter, we have Instagram. All under the same and, name? Yep. Well, Workers Party Mass. We have local chapters, what we call mine the stadium area local, which would include Franklin. So if anybody listening wants to join, we'd like to run, we'd like to run candidates in your district as well. Um, you can reach me. So anyone interested in running or being a candidate, uh, your party would consider them and consider endorsing them. Right. They, if they if they agreed with our program, right, and they were on board with it, absolutely. What we won't do, we will not endorse Democrats. We will not endorse Social Democrats. We don't support that. Um, anybody else? Yes, you know they can come to us too if they've had a change of heart. Come to us, and you know we'd be happy to have you. Laura Saylor, it was a. Uh, uh privilege and honor to uh, inv invite you not only to the program but to interview you and I look forward uh, down the road uh, to more uh, a discussion uh, and update on how your party is doing. Thank you for coming. Thank you very much Frank for having me. I appreciate it and we'll, we'll check back in in a few months. Thank you. Bye. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. This program was made possible by your Franklin friends and neighbors. Good folks, just like you. Thanks for supporting Franklin TV. And thanks for watching.